It's New Year's Eve and the ball is about to drop. It's so exciting. Out with 2022 and in with 2023. Here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year. Wait a minute. What? This episode releases on January 27th. I'm afraid so. So the month is almost over already. Yeah. Why are we doing a New Year's Eve show? We wondered that too. All right. Well, New Year's horror. Uh, <laughs> 27 days late on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello and welcome to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast, the horror podcast that is always on time with its topics. This is episode 279 and we will be talking about New Year's Horror. It's our first episode of 2023 after our awesome two-part year-ender. So awesome. But more importantly, this episode begins our 13th year. Woo-hoo. I get that right, right? 13? Yes. Yes. We are starting things out right with movies... We're starting out things right with the movies that we're discussing tonight, right? These are bangers. Yeah, of course. You've Mm -hmm. really honed your craft after 13 years of picking out gems. I want it known that I did not (laughs) technically pick the movies for this topic. Oh, who do we blame then? This is Tad. All right, thanks, buddy. So if this is your first time listening to Attack of the Killer podcast, where have you been? We've missed you. Attack of the Killer podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, we get together with a topic and we discuss films within that topic. Now we're just friends hanging out, speaking openly and freely, so there may be spoilers, just so you know. <laughs> now if this is your first time and you like what you hear, please consider helping supporting the show. Go to jointheattackers.com, and from there, you can pick the tier you wish to donate. Once you do, you become part of the Attack of the Killer podcast family that we call the Attackers. As an attacker, you get access to various perks and extra content, such as bonus episodes, videos. You get a membership card and certificate. You can even get shout-outs on the show and on our website. And you can even get invited to exclusive events such as our monthly horror hangout, watch parties, and our exclusive chat that we call Attack of the Killer Chat. So much amazing stuff and so much more that could be had. And all you have to do is go to jointheattackers.com. Again, that is jointheattackers.com. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to introduce you to this year's podcast crew. It's the same as last year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he says the worst part about jogging on New Year's Eve is spilling his drink. Tad! <laughs> Cheers, I guess. <laughs> his New Year's resolution was to drop all of his bad habits, but then he realized no one likes a quitter. Jason! Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm, and I'm so happy that you realize that this show is coming out way after New Year's. That makes me so happy. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. 
Did I get the date right? I don't even know. But okay, I'm pretty close. sure I got the date right. I, I did math. Anyway, his New Year's resolution was to read more. So now he watches movies with subtitles. Andy, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty much forced to. My wife makes me, so yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Heard about Shudder? Shudder is the premium, premium streaming service where you can watch any and all types of horror entertainment. We all here at Attack a Killer Podcast love Shudder, and we watch it for various reasons. If it's watching Joe Bob, or going deep on obscure cult films, or staying up to date with the most current in horror, we love Shudder so much that we are going to give you a month of Shudder for free. So when you go there, just enter our promo code AOTKP and get the first 30 days of Shudder on us. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. Do it. <laughs> so aggressive every time. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> and so we've been away for a few weeks, you know, taking our little little time off for the holidays and whatnots. But we're back. And man, I bet we've watched a lot of stuff. Let's find out. Here's Tad with what we watched. What we watched. We could just rename this Letterboxd uh, if it wasn't <laughs> trademarked because I feel like I'm I'm always just going get sponsored through. by them. Yeah, but uh, no. It's, well, what uh, if we call it Letterboxd, but we spell it on hash? The way it's actually spelled. Spell it correctly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, let's throw it over to Andy because I feel like he's watched the most out of all of us. Andy, what have you watched? Um. Okay. With the wife, we watched the whole first season of Willow on Disney, and it's actually pretty darn good if you guys haven't checked that out yet. Um. Basically, it's them on, you know, another quest and, you know, Warwick Davis, you know, he comes back and reprises his role as Willow Uffgood and the same uh, gal that played Sorsha in the uh, in the first movie is you know she she's there too and they, they she had kids with Mad Mardigan and all that and uh, I don't really want to get too much into it because mainly I got a lot to say about all the other stuff I watch but I think you guys would in- if you like the first film you'll really enjoy this one. I do uh, not this this series. What <laughs> I said, you I didn't... do not. No, my bro- my brother like watched it all the time growing up, and I mean, we watched Goonies and Karate Kid and all the eighties classics, and I was like, Willow is so lame. Like, why does he like this? It's awful and dreadful. So oh. I'd have to revisit it as like uh, maybe and you know as an adult and see if it was just like. As a kid, I didn't understand. I, I didn't like the fantasy stuff. I never liked Princess Bride. I never liked Willow. Oh, okay. Then yeah, it's probably not not your cup of tea then. And I've um, heard that it like it uses like modern language, which is turning a lot of people off. The, the new series, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, you know, they say you know, I think they say shit, and they they might have said, uh, they, yeah, one one girl called each other a bitch, and um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, uh, I can see why people might not like it, but I, I think it's fun. Um, another series that, uh, the wife and I've been watching, it's an animated series called little demon. Have you guys heard of this? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's on Hulu, right? 
Uh, yes, yes, it's an FX show, and there's there's yeah. a lot of casting. Aubrey Plaza does uh, voiceover, awesome. yeah. and uh, Danny DeVito and his daughter uh, are are also mm-hmm. in it. I've yet to pull the trigger, but I have it in my. It's it's I, it's really it's hilarious. It's it's really good. Basically, it's this 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 witch that had a a kid with with Satan. And she's been trying to keep him away from uh, Satan for like 13 years. And then now the Satan finds them and now they have to, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, Satan has her on the weekends, you know, because, and since she's half demon, you know, this girl's going through puberty. So, I mean, it's, it gets a little, it gets a little weird, but it's also the situations in it are just like really hilarious. So it, it's a lot of fun. Um, Okay, gonna fire him off here. I watched the documentary uh, "My Amityville Horror," which is an interview with the one of the original kids that lived in the house, and she, just like the parents, he still maintains the story that something actually happened there. Um, I I'm I don't really know if I really still believe it, you know, or not. Um, I I still think it's kind of a hoax. I still think it's you know. Uh, what he just protect? Yeah, I, mean, I think he believes what he saw. I just don't think he really knows what he saw. Um, rewatch the Walter Hill classic, The Warriors, because it's a kick-ass movie. If you don't know what The Warriors is, just go out and watch it because it's awesome. Come out um, and play. Exactly. Um, uh, I watch. I rewatched uh, Dario Argento's Tenebrae, and it's still Ooh. one of my favorites. Yes. That. That blood spray against the wall is oh, fucking awesome. Um, one of my top favorite, probably in my top ten favorite moments in horror. Actually, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's it yeah. may not be in the top five, but it's definitely in the top ten. Um, I watched the documentary "Blood, Guts, and Sunshine," which is the history of horror films being made in Florida. Um, now, most of them right now are, you know, they're very, very low budget. And, you know, it's just like get a girl with a lot of tattoos and a lot of piercings, cover her in, in blood and make sure she has big boobs, big boobs and can scream. Okay. But, however, um, it also uh, says that um, Bob Clark is not like, a, you know, he wasn't, uh, he's not really Canadian. He made his first yeah. film, um, Children Shouldn't Play D- With Dead Things, down in Florida. Florida, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it was, it was a lot more insightful than I thought it would be, which, um, yeah, I, I also recommend it. I think that's on Tubi. They talk, I also they watched, talk a lot about Fred Olin Ray in there too, or? Uh, I think, I, I, I believe so. I, I, I mean, I know he's mentioned. Um, Cause he was part of that scene, especially earlier on. Yeah. Um, the, I also watched, um, the uh, the history of Nazi exploitation films this like Freud uh, I can't remember remember what it's called but the one thing that that stood out to me is that Leo you know, they interviewed they interviewed Diane Thorne at great length and this is this is on Tubi as well um, but I can't for the life of me uh, remember remember the name of it but um, before she died she was like a you know she did like one of those chapels in Vegas with her husband, you know, cause she was like an ordained minister and the thing that blew me away. She just goes, if you wanted, <laughs> she would dress up like Elsa. She Wolf of the SS oh. and officiate your wedding. Oh man. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. I knew that way back when. Yeah. So I mean, if you You'd wanted be to cancel now, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. You know, so it's, it's just like, it blew me away when I heard that. I'm just like, holy shit. 
That is one weird wedding. Um, hey, Elsa, She Wolf of the SS is an awesome movie. I, I, I'm not saying Tiros, that, but I mean, way. I don't think I want her to marry me. <laughs> um, I watched a Ginger Lynn um, movie with uh, Winx Hauser called Mind, Body, and Soul. It's about this satanic cult. Very low budget. Very crappy. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, and I also watched um, Evil Laugh. Uh, it's a Vinegar Syndrome title, but it, oh, but it was oh, made oh, by oh. Uh, the guy... Uh, they got hacked to shit over the candy bar in um, Friday the 13th Part 5. Dominic Brazica. Um, another uh, crappy slasher flick, but it, 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 it's kind of fun in a way. Dude, I had never seen the movie before. I'm familiar with it. That is the second time today that this movie's been brought up. I was listening oh, wow. to uh, Jonah Ray on the movies that made us, and he brought up that movie on, on there, on that podcast. So that's, that's weird. Yeah, it's 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 a very uh, '80s product of its time, and it's I mean, for what it is, it's it's okay, but it's it's nothing spectacular. Um, I watched um, the Blu-ray version, the updated version with you know the special features of a documentary called "I Think We're Alone Now," which is the two uh, fans that are obsessed with Tiffany from the 1980s. And it is they're even in twenty twenties they're they're still just as batshit crazy as they were back in two thousand <laughs> and, and eight, and uh, it's just it's it's disturbing even though they're kind of harmless, but yet I would be very very leery of these two people. They're 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 they're, they're I mean, but at the same time it's kind of sad because you know that they're very mentally ill. Um, that room always reminds me, and I know you, you, you brought up the movie before, but that always reminds me in uh, my early days in retail, I had a customer, a regular customer, very socially awkward, really creeped all of us out, bought every single Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie that came Jesus out. Christ. And this was during the VHS days when they were putting out movies like once a week or whatever. Yeah. He would special wow. order the ones he didn't have in his collection. Well, you remember, like, I don't even know if I want to go open that can of worms, that rabbit hole, that, like, people had that, like, countdown until they turned 18. I mean, it was, like, yeah, really creepy. Like, old guys are really into the Olsen twins. It's, like, not cool. Which, as adults, they they look like something out of a horror movie, so I don't see the appeal. Uh, Right. Yeah, they they kind of look like the guy that they find in seven with like all those like uh, in the in the bed with like the fucking air fresheners hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just lost I'm sorry, that's a little cool. Listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck it. <laughs> um, and this this next one, I bought it as a blind buy, but it's probably one of the favorites that I've watched um, most recently. It's a movie called Villains, and oh, yeah. it's got. Uh, does it have a it's scar guard in it? Yeah. Yep. yep. That's good. Have you have you seen it, Tad? Yeah, it was uh one from a couple of years ago. I watched it for the year end episode. Okay. All right. Um this is this is the first time I've seen it. Um friggin' loved it. Uh yeah. it's That's it's great. it's a it's a very good movie. Um just um for any of uh, the people that haven't out there haven't seen it out there, it's a basically it's a dark comedy about these two um lovebirds that are that are bank robbers and their car runs out of gas after they rob a gas station right and uh they have to break into this house to you know to get another car and as they break in there 
they find a little girl chained up in the basement and their sense of morality will not let them leave this little girl. They eventually get discovered by this couple who are seemingly looking like they're living out of like the late 1950s. And, uh, let's see, uh, is it what the Sedgwick and hold on a minute. Uh, yeah, Kira Sedgwick, excuse me, sorry. And Jeffrey Donovan are really, really good in it. Everybody just delivers a great performance, and it's just a, it's just a, it's a damn good movie, and I highly recommend that. Um, sorry, I know this has taken me a little bit. Uh, I, t- I said you were going to be the one that probably watched the most, so. <laughs> Um, I also watched, and I believe this is on Shudder, but it's an Argentinian movie. I ordered this one, and freaking Lucio Fulci would have a heyday with this because there's a lot of eyeball, gnarly eyeball shit in this. <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to spoil any of the eyeball stuff, but it's a movie called The Last Matinee. And it uh, just takes place in a theater, and it's, you know random people that are so far spread out in the theater. They're, they're not sitting anywhere near each other. And, uh, this, there's just a killer in this theater that are randomly killing people. And they also have a movie within the movie, you know, because well, they're at a movie and it's called Frankenstein day of the beast. Even like the movie that they're watching is kind of somewhat pretty engaging, but, um, you know, and I love movies that take place in, you know, a movie theater, you know, popcorn, midnight movie, all the, all that stuff. I uh, highly recommend this one, too, just, you know, because it starts off a little slow, but once it gets going and the killer's really good. Um, yeah, all, all really good stuff. Uh, I also watched uh, Ebola Syndrome for the first time. This movie is so fucking nasty and gnarly. <laughs> Um, I, it, I think it may turn me into a vegan. It's so fucking gross. Um, basically, uh, this guy, you know, gets, uh, he goes on the run after killing a few people in, in Hong Kong and he ends up in South Africa and he, you know, as they're trying to buy pigs for this restaurant that he works at, he gets the Ebola virus mainly because he sexually assaults a tribe woman. And some of the dialogue in this movie is so non-PC, it's not even funny. Uh, and it's so racist. And, you know, it's so racist against black people. It's so racist against white people. <laughs> I mean, this movie is so awful. I mean, it's just, it almost gets, it's so awful, it almost gets humorous to a point. It's just like, it doesn't, it's like not even taking itself seriously. But, um yeah, just this guy, he's, he becomes, he becomes like immune to the Ebola virus that he gets and then he becomes a super spreader and then he knows it and he just basically weaponizes himself and uh, he, cause he's already a piece of shit to begin with. And it's uh, yeah, it's a gross fucking movie. Highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also watched the, uh, the BBC uh, uh, movie, not, not really a movie. It was more like a broadcast. It's called ghost watch. You've guys heard of this. I think it's on shutter too. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, it's a, a Halloween um, broadcast uh, that the BBC did back in the early 90s. And um, a lot of people, it was very Orson Welles, War of the Worlds kind of feel to it because people thought this shit was actually happening because they play, because the BBC uh, uh, news people that did this, 
and then they did it at Halloween so that people thought they would be in on the joke, but they played it so straight laced that people thought this shit was actually happening. Like a seance and wind was blowing through, you know, uh, the, you know, the production room and like they, they were just playing it so straight laced and they were, you know, uh, the, the paranormal investigators that were there and anybody that was investigating. I mean, there's a whole like hour long documentary on it that um, people thinking that this was actually real. It's actually, it was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I watched a Lumberto Bava movie called Delirium with uh, Serena Grande and Daria Nicolodi and George George Eastman. Have you guys heard of this? Yep, I have. But yeah, it's um, it's basically your typical you know mid eighties uh, Jallo. Um, Ser- Serena Grande, not a great actress, but uh, she also you know she was hired for certain assets. Let's just say that. Um, but um yeah not not bad um different it's you know it's a typical italian booby slasher movie it's fun i also rewatched the the hunt with uh, betty gilpin and hillary swank that's still fun great movie yeah and um last but n- certainly not least um i revisited uh, memoirs of an invisible man <laughs> with uh the john carpenter movie um not as best, not as worst. Uh, definitely, it's middle of the road Carpenter, but definitely worth a watch, in my opinion. Um, sort of, but, sort of popping back up in headlines this week as Carpenter's doing the media rounds. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of letting letting his feelings know about a certain, <laughs> um, let's just say, leading man, so to speak. Yeah, he uh, doesn't but, mention any names, but he says uh, something about wishing death, and then something about. Uh, no, no, setting no, him fire, right? setting him on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but if, but if you watch like the behind the scenes stuff and, the, uh, them goofing around behind the scenes, uh, I guess Carpenter's a pretty good actor, you know, tolerating, you know, just certain, certain hijinks. I mean, it looks like they're, they were getting along, but you know, Hey, it's, it's what you put out there and what people perceive. Right. But. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Uh, lots watched a lot, a lot of stuff, but that's that was what I watched. Excellent, um, Jason. Have you watched that much? Well, I'm gonna offset the Andy, and uh, well, so it's been almost a month since I watched the last film for the award show. And since then, I've watched two <laughs> films. Oh man, I'm so dumb. Uh, but I why watched is that. Why is that dumb? I don't know. I just suck. If it's, it's playoff football time, baby. Well, I, you know, there's that for sure. Um, uh, I, re- I know it's just the other day, but I watched Bullet Train. That was fucking fun as shit. I had a good time with that. Brad Pitt. It was all. It was all right. Yeah, action. Good time. Saw it in theaters because Bad Bunny's in it. And Nikki had to see it, but I had uh, to. Mm. yeah. And then I watched a baseball documentary called "Facing Nolan" mm. about Nolan Ryan and Ryan. Yep, yep. It was uh, it was actually really good. Both both this came out last year. Um, it was awesome. I I for those who don't know, I uh I I. I threw a baseball since I could hold one and I 
did a lot of uh, pitching in my youth and was pretty good at it. And I did, I did a lot of it actually. And, you know, probably could have done something, but so I, baseball, I don't watch any baseball because it's the most boring thing ever, but mm, yeah. <clears throat> watching it on TV is, but it's, it's so, kind of fun. It's, yeah, live. it's all right. But like, so <coughs> that was the only sport I was ever halfway good at. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I definitely knew him and was aware of him. And so, you know, and documentaries are documentaries. So I just laid one night and just clicked on it. And it was, it was great. It was great. I think it's it uh, it one of the best of all time. Watching baseball is equivalent to watching Bloody New Year for me. Ooh, there's a oh. there's some foreshadowing. I was gonna say, yeah. ouch. Well, anyway, that's what I watched. <laughs> All right, Mike, how about you? Okay, let me. Uh, crap, let me get back to my list. Um, there it is. Well, I actually got got to watch some stuff with All that right. with our time off. Um, guess what I finally watched, guys? Guess what? Guess which? Guess what I finally watched? Oh, I think I saw it on your letterbox too. Weird Al. He's watched it four more times since we last recorded. <laughs> I finally watched Everything Everywhere All at Yay! Once. All right. And apparently timely with, uh, how do you say his name? Ki Hu Kwan got that yeah. Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. He gave the best speech ever, yeah. Yeah, which right. was amazing I, speech. Wasn't that yeah. awesome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. It's everything you guys said, so I'll move on. Uh, what? No. <laughs> I'm just, go ahead. I don't dude. know what else to say about it. It was uh-huh. it was funny. It was a <laughs> lot of fun to watch. I, I love a lot of the outside-the-box thinking when it came to dealing with, like, mul- uh, multiverse mentality type things. And Yeah, it was cool. Um, on Christmas Day, uh, the three of us sat down and watched Glass Onion, uh, Knives Out Mystery. Oh yeah, I watched that too. Sorry. Yeah, that's uh, fun. It was I liked a it. lot of fun. I really hope they keep going with these knife out, knives out movies, and keep going in that direction. Where you know he is just that he is the the recurring character solving the mysteries, and I love you know just love a good. And Simon's really gotten into like murder mystery stories too over the past couple of years. So it was it was um, really awesome and a lot of fun. Great you know great cast in it and. Yeah, that's on uh, Netflix, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, I want to bring up two more because it's two that I'm pretty um, passionate about that I've watched. So, you know, if if you know me, and you've probably heard me talk about it on the show before, but I'm a pretty pretty big passive um, Adam Rifkin fan. And I say passive just because, like, I keep telling myself i need to watch his entire filmography and and uh, maybe i'll watch one and then forget about it for like a year so but every time i see one of his movies i really like it but he's got such a diverse palette of films that uh uh i just always question you know how much of a fan i am of him as a filmmaker but uh so i i i decided to jumped down the rabbit hole again and got a couple more watched. The only one I, the only one of the two that I want to talk about right now is called shooting the Warwicks. Oh, wow, guys. Uh, seriously. I mean, it's, it definitely has its budget on its sleeve, but, uh, basically Adam 
kind of stars in it. He plays this TV producer who goes to the network to pitch um, the ultimate reality TV show. And his beef as an artist with reality TV and how it's not really reality TV. It's all scripted. It's, it's still fake. And he wants to produce the most reality, reality TV show ever. Starring a family and, and every modern day American family, the Warwicks. And uh, the, the catches, the Warwicks have no idea they're stars of this TV show. So they, they put cameras, they, hide, they break into the house and hide cameras everywhere. Um, they hide cameras at, like, um, at, the, at the office, at the school, everywhere these people go. And to get the okay, they're with the, stu- with, the, um, with the network and they're working on this film, they're shooting stuff. And they're shooting stuff for like a couple weeks and realize average American life is boring. Like the studio, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, the network's upset because the dailies are coming back and like, they're just, it's just, they get up, they go to work, they go to school, they come home, you know, maybe they'll have like a Pilates class one day or, you know, taking the daughter to, uh, to, um, cheerleading practice, whatever the case may be. So Adam Rifkin decides he's going to start interjecting drama into these people's lives and, and it just starts you know, devolving from there. Everything just goes horribly, horribly wrong as they keep interjecting, um, you know, drama into this, into these poor people's lives. And it's, you know, it, it builds, like if you look it up in IMDb, it builds itself as a comedy drama. And there's a lot of comedy in it, especially in the first act. It kind of comes off, you know, lighthearted and goofy. You know, you kind of got like, you know, as an example, scene where one of the, uh, the PA guys breaks into the house to plants. There's a big topic of product placement. The, the network wants product placement now. So th- so this PA has to break into the house and start planting all these products everywhere, like a certain brand of peanut butter, certain brand of condoms and whatnot. And, uh, and then, you know, the daughter comes home, so it's like TV sitcom where the guy has to hide behind doors and hide in closets and stuff and almost getting caught every single time, you know. So it gets a little goofy and silly, uh, with that, but oh my god, guys, by the third act, it gets fucking dark. It is super dark and does not end well for these people. Uh, I mean, there's still some silliness going on. They're still they're still trying to you know it's you know some comedy going on, but um, but oh my god, I couldn't believe just how how dark they went with this with uh, just tearing this family apart. So. If I remember, I think it was Tubi. Everything's on Tubi, right? Mm-hmm. So I highly mm-hmm. recommend checking it out. It's called Shooting the Warwicks. And then the last thing I want to bring up, just because I just recently watched it, it's just hot now, and I wanted to be the first one to bring it up. Um, on Netflix, I watched the uh, the documentary Hatchet Wheeling Hitchhiker. You guys? Yeah. Nikki about Kai? Uh, yeah. Yeah, about Kai. I'm, I'm hoping to check it out. It's it's a it's a great doc and oh my god, it, it it's just that that guy was weird. That guy is something else. But uh, anyway, that's what I watched. Excellent. And so, Tad, what did you watch? Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I also saw Glass Onion. Um, I saw Babylon, which uh, I really really liked. It is a three hour. Telling sort sort of yeah, it's Damien uh, 
I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he did La La Land and um, Mm. has Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt and uh, has a great cast uh, about these actors who were made it big in the silent era. And then once movies into talkies, how they struggled, sort of like um, a more serious, crazy version of Singing in the Rain. Uh, And... Yeah, it was real. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, Tobey Maguire plays like one of the creepiest humans ever in this. Um, like a really scuzzy businessman. Uh, highly recommend that. I think it's going to pop up quite a bit during award season. Um, White Noise, I think, was a little over my head, a little too artsy, maybe. It's a Noah Baumbach mm-hmm. movie. Um but this is like his big budget movie for Netflix. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I like when they give him a big budget to work with. I mean, good for him. And I think other people really liked it. Um, but I think it was just a little over my head. Uh, I watched a new documentary on HBO Max called This Place Rules. How was that? I really liked it. Uh, Andrew Callaghan, he is sort of this... Uh, street reporter he's made he's been famous on instagram for sort of uh, sort of like a cult guy uh he he does these street interviews with real people on and uh he sort of catches these crazy and like crazy people basically on camera saying the craziest shit and uh they gave him the budget to make a feature documentary and he sort of follows uh, the Trump campaign around up into the climax of January 6th, uh, 2022. And we all know what happened on that day. So, but it's sort of a humorous <laughs> look at both sides. Uh, he talks to crazy lefties and crazy right wingers and uh, just sort of has a strange, I don't know, look at these people in our country. Uh, it, it's the political it's really, landscape. It's very interesting. Um, let's finally checked out the menu. That was fucking awesome. Has anyone seen that yet? Not yet. I, I watched the trailer. I haven't. No. Jason, you got to talk Michelle into watching this one with you. Um, oh, because of the food. Yes. So yeah. it is a like black comedy slash horror. With is it Ralph Fiennes that played Voldemort? Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays sort of a, like the most pretentious, uh, sought after rich chef, famous chef, and these people pay hop, uh, top dollar to go eat at his private restaurant. And uh, things don't go according to plan. Has uh, Anya Taylor Joy as the lead. Oh, um, yeah, I love her. Yeah, me too. And see, Nikki's not into like food like movies or, or documentaries or TV. She doesn't like, she would hate food network and stuff, but I'm like, so she had no interest in it. So I watched alone, but after watching it and how it sat, it's like a satire on that world of foodies and pretentious people who take pictures of their food and, Mm -hmm. uh, very funny and poignant, but also scary at times. I, I really loved it. Um, saw Megan, which was fucking awesome. No one else has seen Megan yet. I I want to. I just yeah. I it's not around here yet. How is it not around? It's it's there. Come on, man. It's the number one movie well, outside of it. Beat well, uh, Avatar. Well, the theater. Well, it, it should because I heard Avatar sucked. 
But uh, this, Sorry. I really <laughs> killed the shit. No, I, I was grabbing a drink real quick. Um, Megan was a whole lot of fun. It's very campy, uh, but also scary and cool and stylish, but smart. And it knows uh, sort of its limits. It doesn't take itself seriously, which I really loved. I thought it was a blast. I highly recommend everyone check that out. It's like the first big horror release of 2023 and kicked it yeah. off with a bang. And then uh, Friday night, watch Jason Lives on the Big Screen with uh, oh, yeah. my buddy Jason. So, I forgot that one. I've seen three right. movies. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what I have watched so far this year. Awesome. Great. Okay, so it's time to get into films. I, I guess I, I wanted to... I, it's popped in my head. I just want to mention real quick, because I did forget this too. Um, well, had Simon watch his very first Friday 13th movie... Yeah. Yay. We watched part two. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to go in order, Dad. I'm like, I really don't want to watch the first one. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, son, you know enough about the mythology that you don't really need to watch the first one. He's like, okay. And I'm like, get all the best parts you Ruining see. Ruining this kid's experience because you didn't want to watch the first Dude, one. Dude, it doesn't matter. I watched, my first one no, was I part know. six. So. Mine was part seven. And he... He liked it. Yeah. He really liked it. Yes. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. I was, I was pretty proud that uh, I awesome. finally got a kid, finally got my son, to be not only watching horror movies, but now starting them out on my favorite franchise. So. You need to really corrupt him and turn him on to part five. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. It's so, it's so sleazy. He, still, awesome. he, he covers his eyes for nudity, so he'll have his eyes shut a lot during part five, but... We'll get there. That shit, he's going to miss two-thirds of the movie. I know, it's funny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we should get in talking about our New Year's films. Jason, what's our first one? Our first film is from 1987, and it's called Bloody New Year. It started as a day out. A trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. For those who dare, face a horrifying and bloody new year. by the dead, threatened by evil, chased by the unknown, terrorized by monsters. escape the fate that awaits them when they become caught in the angry hot world. Check out any time, but they can never leave. 
Bloody New Year. Announcer guy pretty much said everything, but I'll say again. Uh, a group of friends take refuge in an island hotel that is decorated for New Year's. But soon enough, even the walls themselves are striking out against them. I know, right? Uh, written directed by Norman J. Warren. Everybody's favorite. It's his fault. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Is it, though? We'll get to it. Oh. And a, b- a bunch of other people you don't know help make this movie. And um, I, I actually found myself not minding this one. It, uh... <laughs> Sometimes you perplex the fuck out of me, dude. Like, I, I yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. You know, like, uh, it was just so they had to have had like seven dollars to make this movie. Apparently so. And I thought they did the best they could. They had a very uh, thin script uh, concept, um, you know, and and. There were some there were some cute things that happened in the movie. I just I don't know. I liked some Are of Are you it. joining the movie defenders now? I mean, <laughs> come on uh, now. Is it is it that you're just watching so few horror movies now that like Right, that even <laughs> this <laughs> that you're just like, getting your fix. It's like <laughs> cuz dude, the whole time I'm watching it and I'll 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 start off by saying I didn't hate this either. All right. But that should be expected from me. Right, right. I'm the whole time I'm watching this. I'm like, oh fucking, Jason's hating this. Jason is no. hating this. So I I do feel happy, a, a little happy that uh, to find out that you didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Should be on the box. Jason didn't <laughs> mind it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I thought that the. Uh, Nikki Brooks was cute as hell, so that really which, helped. Which one was she? She was Janet, the lead girl. The lead, wait, the was lead that the American? Girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, oh yeah, I'm watching the trailer all, again. And I kind of thought they were all kind of cute. They were, when they got trapped in that net for like 45 minutes. <laughs> just looking at this trailer, they're like... Get out of the net, you crazy person. But what about or about when they spun that dude's head around for 45 minutes? Yeah, that, that was, was awesome, oh. too. Yeah, that was funny. Okay, all right. Here's my, here's my thing. Like, I feel like I kind of like all of the effects that they uh-huh. did. It's just because if you, you would have taken all those effects and putting the, put, put those exact same effects in something shittier, like some shot on VHS movie, you'd have been blown away, you know? Or if maybe a little more competent filmmaker shot those effects a little bit better, like a better DP, better lighting, better camera angles, whatever, those effects would have been mind-boggling for 1987. Because I'm watching that head twist thing, and there's one moment where it's like, we're all sitting there, and we know enough about filmmaking and editing to, to know how they did that. They just would turn the head as far as they could humanly possible, yeah. cut to another shot, turn the, turn the, have the gu- a guy turn his body around, put his shirt on backwards, and then turn it some more. But it, as far as that like cheap-ass effect, 
it was executed very well. And there's a moment where it's just like, oh, oh. it almost kind of looks like the the neck is stretching yeah. more than it should. Like, so it convinced it convinced me, kinda. Yeah, I was like, oh, fun! They're going around another time. That's great. <laughs> so cool. does that does that actually forgive the? Uh, Roger Corman's swamp monster from the felt table effect. Because <laughs> that looked like dog shit. I don't know. I even like the. Uh, I even like the the. The girl's paper mache face. Well, yeah, I kind of. I, I actually kind of like that I, too. I, I mean, obviously, it. obviously that's somebody's, you know, poor man's Halloween uh-huh, costume, right? Toilet but paper. It was, and it was latex. It was and... there was a charm to it. I thought. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. In that makeup, but I also, but I also like the the banister head that comes I was going to say that too. That was biting on the one girl's arm. Overused it, but it was still cool. <laughs> Overused it because if they would have like really cut still out, stuck? like okay. you know, the second Beetlejuice half of those shots, this because Beetlejuice was in '88, right? You're exactly. Uh-huh. If they would have cut out half of those shots, it would have been convincing. But they kept cutting back to it to the point where you could see the separation of the bottom of the puppet with the actual banister. Uh, in some of those later shots, and I'm like, oh, you guys, you almost had it. You almost had it. I'll be honest. The, right, the first fucking scene, even though, like, the flashback kind of wasn't even a flashback because it wasn't, I don't know, it was so weird. But uh, the moment where the girl's looking in the mirror in the opening scene, uh-huh. and then, like, she gets sucked in the mirror, that scared the shit out of me. I was like, all right, movie. <laughs> all right. So, like, it had my attention. So, I was like, I, right, would, I would have liked to have known what the fuck was going on until the last exposition dump. To, at the, <laughs> oh, sure. Clear at the end you of the know, movie. Yeah. And oh, yeah. And just like, the whole movie's just bad shit. Where... Yeah, it just doesn't fucking make any sense. I was just like, can I even have some idea as to what the fuck is going on here? And how did, how did you know, evil carnival guys, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. What, what? Who has that kind of vendetta to go, you know... Follow them all the way to this island. Follow them, okay, okay, that's where their boat capsized, you know, which I suppose that's where they are, so the next, like, who had... Don't they have fucking work to do at the carnival? Doesn't, like, you know, old guy from Funhouse and Lenny and Squiggy from fucking Laverne and Shirley, (laughs) (laughs) which I never understood that either, you know, but uh, it just... (sighs) It's the drizzling shits. I'm sorry. And not, <laughs> and not only do they follow them to the island, but apparently they have super strength because they're crashing through, they're bursting through like walls and stuff and windows to Punches attack through, these people. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah they're, they're doing they either like have super strength or they're related straight to the Kool Aid man, man shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all that shit at the fair at the beginning really was tough to get through. But I think once they got to the yeah. island, like it was fine. The guy who ran that ride, I I, I wasn't even one hundred percent sure of his motivation until they got <laughs> to the island. I'm like, was he chasing after the punk? Because like, why was he putting up with the punks picking on that girl on the ride that the other one saved? I didn't. It was yeah. I, I think and it, he doesn't yeah, he get was involved like... until the guy until one of the other guys like steals that part. Well, I think he was running the ride, wasn't he? Well, yeah, you would think and that the other he would have kicked those guys spinning, off. You know? If anything else, the yeah. the fact that they were like on the ride, standing there on the ride, not Just, sitting down, you know. 
it just still strikes me. It's like, don't they have to work at the carnivals? It's like, uh, they just pieced out to go, you know, on this excursion to like, they had that big of a vendetta. It just doesn't make any sense to me. This was a movie that I, this was the first time watch for me. And I remember seeing this box on every video store shelf on the oh, yeah. video store. Great seen the... box. Skull with the party hat on and the. Yeah. So much better than the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 This has got to be pissed true. that we're all not this... saying mean things. And... This is, well, this is the last time, <laughs> this is a last time watch for me if that accounts for anything. <laughs> Could that be a new thing? A new rubber stamp? I just, I just want to know what my thoughts would have been if I just pulled the trigger back in the day and grabbed it off the shelf. You would have liked it more. I don't, I, who knows? I don't know. Because see, know. for me, I think, I mean, guys, this movie's terrible. Don't, don't let anything <laughs> yeah, we're saying, don't let anything we're saying sway that. This movie is bad. But, and I know you. You like this and maybe not like this, but the thing for me that made me not mind it so much is that it was so cheaply made. Uh-huh. It was like it it gave me a uh, gore gang uh, feels, you know, like <laughs> yeah. high school movie feels. Like oh, it's these guys are like bad. stretching the shit out of a scene that they don't know what's like even things. about. Right? Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like the nineteen ninety things. Because what you talking about? Yeah, I think so. Because okay. the, the motivations of it's the characters not... change on a dime. I like, tried. like the one girl wants so desperately to get off that alley, and she's willing to, willing to swim there. But then when like the other guy shows back up, she she's happy to stay there with him at the hotel, where the other two go try to find the boat. You know, it's stuff like that. Like their their motivations it's, change on a dime, like constantly throughout the, the entire scene. movie, yeah, yeah. and the whole movie is just running from one location to I the was other. Say that too. It's so much running. <laughs> but so what, much I, what I really like run. about this is this: if they just would have, you know, maybe crashed the boat and went to this hotel. I mean, it's just like to me, it's just a very simple story. It's a solid concept. You they they. Yeah. They they get marooned or whatever, and they go to this island, and the the hotel's haunted. I'm I'm totally up for that kind of story. You can see them with mirrors. I'm totally cool. I just wish the execution was a hell of a lot better. Oh yeah, it was and it's not. So so Tad, what you're saying is you just hate <laughs> British people. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I will say that the lack of story yeah. kept mm-hmm. me not. Engaged? What's the opposite? Unengaged. I could not focus on this. Asleep. Um, <laughs> not, not quite asleep. Like I think sleep. Right. At least if it put me to sleep, it would have a, have a use. You know, it would have a load. you. Yeah. It was like one of those movies where I'm like, I'm like looking at my phone, and a half hour's gone by. Like shit. Got to look back up, shit. rewind it, and go back. I've missed a half hour of this movie, uh, and I had to watch it in like five pieces. Yeah. Which is wow. bad, bad yeah. news. Um, it was just so hard to get through, and it shouldn't because it's what an hour and a half, if that. Yeah, hour yeah. and thirty minutes, and yeah. it felt like a drag because I just didn't know what was happening. I just didn't. I can't yeah, stand it when I'm like, "Am I dumb and missing something, or is it just not good storytelling?" And it's, it sounds like it was just not good storytelling. It's not good storytelling. No, you don't um, think this would be fun in a party setting with with a bunch of people? Maybe if you know a bunch of people like riffing on it, but yeah, well, it's uh, obviously prime for riffing. If you want to, 
or if you want people to clear out, maybe. But I'm just like, I don't know. I had high hopes from the poster and the name. Um, I'm like, right. how did I miss out on this holiday horror? Because everybody knows I'm a big holiday horror guy. Uh, any horror movie based on a day or a, a holiday, I have to see. And uh, I, you know, I was like, ooh, a new uh, New Year's horror I haven't seen. Let's let's do this. And it actually has a 4.5 on IMDb, which is Whoa, drastically wow. high for this. Wow. Yeah. It, with with 2,000 votes, which is like, huh. Huh. are people confusing this with uh, one of the other two movies that we're going to talk <laughs> about? Because the right movie? Right. right that's <laughs> what I'm wondering. I'm like, because the, the poster's really cool. And then yeah. it just, I don't know, man. It's, it has nothing to do with the, yeah. the low budget of it because, I mean, that's, if anything, like Jason said, it's sort of cool to see like it's like a DIY, yeah, fun thing. Fun. And when when the kills came around, like the head twisting, that kind of stuff, that was a blast. But to get there is just a trog, man. It's just, yep. uh, it's not like, worth the wait. I don't think you know. You know, I say it all the time. But I think Joe Bob said like the biggest crime a movie can commit is being boring, and this yeah. is has its moments. <laughs> yeah, it does. It but then does. you get weirdo scenes like. The girls in that room in a blizzard. It starts. The snowstorm starts happening in the room while the fireplace is still going. By the way, and then I love how you know the the electricity automatically comes on, and then a battery operated toy. They're just like, oh, the electricity's on. It's fucking battery operated. Numb nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of. A lot of like head scratching stuff going on yeah. in this movie. A lot of it, and it's like they come up with, "Oh, this would be a cool thing," and yep. but then there's no rationality nope. for it whatsoever. You know, I kind of liked when they're watching the movie, and and then it like shows flashbacks like to chic. the to the and the Oops. chic pops out of the screen. I kinda, yeah. I like how they pulled that off. That was kind of... Fa- that's fair. Again, that's fair. with, like, no budget. I thought that was kind of a neat little effect, a no-budget effect. Um, it was kind of cool. But then, like, but then the guy in the projection booth gets all wrapped up, his feet get wrapped up in the film, and you're and it's just like, oh, you ruined that moment. <laughs> They're but, watching Fiend Without a Face from 1958. Yep. Yep, and their attention to detail in this movie, because at one point you could see a poster, a handwritten poster on the wall that says, Tonight showing Fiend Without a Face. They really paid attention to what they were doing. Shit. Yeah, Bloody New Year, 1987. I, I don't know if the filmmaker, um, if the director dude saw Evil Dead and thought he could do it better. Uh, right, but it's... But it's very Evil Dead-ish. It's very like Evil Dead with like missing the point of what Evil Dead was. I mean, you even have like the and I really that really hit me when they are in the hotel and everything has been going crazy. Well, and then you get like you know some of these people are getting possessed, and you get the again you you mentioned the girl with the with the you know toilet paper makeup on her face. She turns for no on a dime, no reason into this exactly. demonic creature, no reason, and her supernatural thing is fighting off the fighting off one of the guys that's been attacking them. So the, they run in horror, and then when she shows back up at the house, she's attacking a different one of those guys. So she, 
how do you know they're she's not on their side? Right? The only persons per, people that she attacks are the ones that have been following them and attacking them. And Tell yet you what, at just, this point, I didn't really give a shit. Yeah, you're looking harder than a lot of us do. I didn't even care. But yeah. I, I, and, so, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, obviously there's issues with the script. Obviously there's issues with the directing. But I really feel like maybe the fault was the editor. I think like the director pissed off the editor because there's so many weird, not only editing choices, but sound effects choices. What's with the laugh track scene? I think it was supposed to be an evil presence, but it's it laughter. It comes off like it's a laugh track. I couldn't. I tried to hear it different, and it kept sounding like laughter. I, I, I couldn't. I really think it was a laugh track. And they just kept evil. repeating that one shot where the camera, uh, you know, the, again, Evil Dead, camera's in a POV evil presence coming towards those two, and then they're holding hands, and then they step away from each other, and they just keep repeating that shot. Several times. Yeah, it's a time loop. They're stuck in the time loop. Oh, that's it. See, you got it all figured out. All right. Bloody New Year. Um, good luck with trivia on this, Tad, because I was trying to uh, find information about this movie to kind of <laughs> try to figure out what the hell happened. And I, I only have much. one little bit, and it's simply for a nice shout-out to listener Brian Clark. This was shot on location at Butlinsbury Island in Wales. The Doctor Who Delta and the Bannerman Part 1 was also filmed here in the same year, which also, like Bloody New Year, has a 1950s theme. Nice. All right. Thanks, Brian Clark. Yes. Man, I was I was really hoping you'd have some insight on what the hell happened. Oh, no. Nope. No. There's only three pieces of trivia, and yeah. So you get a movie like Nightmare Weekend, which is also a, mo- a head scratcher of like what what the hell, what the hell happened? What's going on? And but there's lore to that. There's actually been a lot of articles written about how that movie came to be. Well, I mean, look look at the room. You know, there's yeah. a mo- movie about the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But there's no information out there that I was able to find about what the hell happened with Bloody New Year. Maybe someday. But until it's, then... It's for you to do. For you to do the research and make the documentary. Oh, all right. Sounds good. I'll do it. We're on it. I'm going to need your help with that, guys. I think okay. we need to watch it several more times. Oh. Tad, what's our next movie? Our next movie is a classic from 1980. It is Terror Train. Get back on that track. Nobody does. Help! 
this pimp. students aboard, it's going to be the one party to end them all. They're always walking out of my parties, but this time, you can't. Big college party. It's a joke. Goddamn practical joke. Train. I don't want to get back on that All right. Three years after a prank went terribly wrong, the six college students responsible are targeted by a masked killer at a New Year's Eve party aboard a moving train. I love this movie. A little peek behind the curtains. We actually were planning on watching the reboot, which came out on Tubi just recently. And I finished it, but uh, about halfway through realized that it is actually set on Halloween. They changed it for the reboot. So Yeah, I watched it for our year-ender and... Kind of wanted you guys to watch it anyway, so when this topic's brought up, it's like, oh, let's do the new one. Totally forgetting that it was Halloween and not um, New Year's. Yeah, but, I mean, any opportunity I get to rewatch this, um, I'm stoked on because, I mean, this is like, you know, peak, like, eight is 1980, it's right after Halloween, The Fog, we have Jamie Lee Curtis as our lead, has a young, handsome David Copperfield, it's masked killer on a train, New Year's Eve, a bunch of crazy, horny, drunk college students. I think this one's a lot of fun. I've always liked this one. Yeah. Um, this is like my go-to for New Year's Eve over the other movie we're going to talk about. Um, I mean, it's crazy that we have enough movies to talk about to make an episode on New Year's <laughs> Horror. But um, yeah. to mm-hmm. me, this is, this is the best, my favorite. I love the sort of... Uh, disguise and how he switches disguises throughout the movie uh ending sort of weak to me because it's like i mean it's there you know we, we get red herrings all the way through the movie and then spoiler i, I won't spoil the ending if, you, if somehow you haven't seen it this is a classic you should hit pause and watch it but uh the ending's not any kind of big twist or really anything i mean i guess it is but I don't know. I, I still love this one every time I watch it. It has a charm to it. It's it's. I think it's actually shot pretty well, directed pretty well. Uh, what what do you guys think? Well, real quick, Ted, I have to ask you off topic. Uh, what did you think of the remake? I liked it. I didn't. I didn't yeah. hate it at all. Yeah. It and was, I'm, it was way better than I expected it to be. And there's a sequel already. That's out. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> they did not well, waste like, any time on that. No, holy shit! Like Tubi pulling just a tie, pulling a tie West, man. Yeah, yeah. Tu- Tubi's just pumping it out, and I, I actually thought the new one was fun. So uh, we might have to find a way to sneak it yeah. into an upcoming episode. But I'm happy to hear because I, I, 
I didn't know how I felt about myself after watching it, realizing that I kind of liked it. And I had watched the trailer for for the remake, and the trailer look, made it look horrible, like it was some, you know, super low budget direct to video sci fi channel shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you watch the movie, it turned out way better than I anticipated. So, yeah, okay. Uh, that's enough of that. In case we do talk, uh, do put it on a future episode somewhere. What what I think is really interesting uh, about this and listening to that trailer again, it is is Jamie Lee Curtis the only person alive where I can hear her scream. And, oh, that's and just not, re- you can recognize her scream. Yeah, like, when you call absolutely. her scream queen, she truly embodies that name because holy shit! I mean. It's like, did they just pull that from Halloween and use it for her whole career? It's how does how does that work? Is her, her it's like her rec, more recognizable than her voice. Yeah, yeah. I thought that yeah, during the movie. That's, that's like, did they just hard to argue some with that, that from the movie. Yeah. This uh, this this film. Um, truth be told, I wasn't a really. I didn't hate it the first time I saw it. I mean, because I've I've seen it a, a few more times since then. But this is. Uh, one of those movies that yeah, continues to grow on me. Um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I love the era th- that it's that it's made into made in. I mean, I I get the you know, and I know it's another Jamie Lee Curtis movie, but it's like it feels like disco horror to mm-hmm. me, you know. And I just I ca- I kind of like that 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 the feel and the uh, the era of that and. Of course, you know you you you've got a sorority and fraternity party. I mean, that is just prime slasher fodder to mm-hmm. me. So, I mean, that's the you're you're checking all the boxes, and plus, you know, you are young, in, pretty horny people. Yeah, 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 and you're and plus, you know, the the setting is also great as well because I mean, you've got really you've got limited places to go i mean you're you're either going up or you're going down you're you stuck know? on the, yeah i mean it limits them to especially back then before cell phones they they can't even like Absolutely. radio this in they're they're literally stuck yeah. moving Absolutely. from train car to train car which is very claustrophobic yeah and of course you know you're in the middle of a damn costume party you know, anybody you, can be, yeah, anybody. You know, it, it absolutely. So I mean, it, this the concept is very, very, very strong, and um, you know, like you said, you got David Copperfield, but I mean, the 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 greatest trick he ever pulled was pulling uh, L. McPherson. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the blood and the, the you know the fight that uh, that Jamie Lee has with. Uh, what is what is this guy's name? Is his name Edward? Uh, the, our, our killer. Uh, I think. Let me see here. I have it pulled up. I think up. it starts uh, with an E, doesn't it? What'd you say, Jason? There's an Ed. Yeah. But it's his like current picture, so I can't even tell. Yeah. There's Kenny, uh, Mo, Ed, Jackson, Mitchie. Mitchie's the, the girl. Ma- the magician. Uh, well whatever this this killer you know i mean you you see her you know you see him rip her earring out i mean she i mean she's so i mean she's taking her licks and and stuff like that but um yeah i mean i agree with tad on on the ending just him getting all all schizo and then yeah it's it's not much of a payoff in in that aspect 
but I mean, the movie is is good and it's and it's strong and uh, it's got good characters. Um, yeah, and and it's still you know it is still a product of its time, you know, just of the uh, the very early uh, slasher craze, you know. But hey, that's that's the era that I love. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a good solid disco horror. Um, this was a first time watch for me. Cool. I'd never seen oh, nice. it before. And I thought it was awesome. It was yeah. really great. Um I thought a lot of the acting was awesome. It was I'm like half I'm just like, is that really David Copperfield? Is he really in this movie? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. And he was great. And uh I didn't realize how big of a crush on vanity I had. But she oh, was, yeah. oh God, that's right, she's that's so right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. I forgot she was. I when we when I rewatched it, I was just like, oh shit. Yeah, Last that's Dragon, right. baby. But uh, I don't know how. Literally, he could have cleaned up the blood from the lizard guy in the bathroom. <laughs> How's that happen? But uh, anyway, yeah, it was it was a fun murder mystery type and. We all knew it was going to happen, but um, yeah, sort of like slasher mixed with like a whodunit, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a slasher murder on the order and Orient Express, essentially. Yeah. And I thought, like, this is like the most like actually on a train it looked like they, in all the scenes they like they're swaying around like yeah. You didn't ever lose perspective of being on a train. I, I don't know if it was like super poor man's. It had to be processed, but like. Man, they, I thought they sold that really well. But yeah, I thought it was great. What else has uh Hart Bachner uh been in? Because I remember him from one of the urban legends and I remember him being like Supergirl's uh boyfriend in the the, the Helen Slater one. He was in Die Hard. Opposite oh god, Wolf. that's right. That's right. Um Uh, breaking away, um, Bullworth. Who's in Bullworth? Yeah, huh. sure. Yeah, sounds good. I just remember <laughs> Rebecca Gayhart pushing him with like Alfred Hitchcock's music. Mister Destiny. Oh yeah. Mr. I'm just looking at the IMDb. I'm not like. <laughs> I figured that's what you guys like, are doing. Yeah, I think we all are, but it's, it's making yeah. for, for for good podcasting. Those um, are the only yeah, two that Car- I could fire off on the, the top Carrie of reboot, but he was uncredited. Yeah, I don't blame him. I'm yeah, just he kidding. Probably, he probably asked that. Man. He sort of looks like uh, Trent Reznor in his IMDb picture here on the uh, Terror Train page, but yeah, well, I don't know what else I could say that hasn't already been said. It's Terror Train. It's a classic. Um, you definitely got me thinking about other horror movies that take place on trains and I cannot think of a bad one in the bunch. It might be one of the, the best settings to put a horror movie. Cause again, midnight meat train. Okay. We well, had to mention or a subway, there. but it's all right. No, it's, it's fine. But, uh, yeah, horror express, you know, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Freaking. Yeah. Um, minus Telly Swallows. Here we go again. Uh, we love you. Son. How awesome is that one? And yeah, it's that claustrophobic. You only have, you know, two ways to go and just from car to car. So yeah, great classic. 
Um, yeah. What trivia do you have for this one, Tad? This has like the opposite of uh, that. <laughs> I have too much to sort through. So yeah. I, I have a couple of cool ones. Um, just, I, I wasn't even going to include this one, but then we, we were just talking about the concept of the train. The idea for Terror Train came from a dream that uh, one of the story writers, Daniel Grod- Grodnick, had. One weekend night after seeing Halloween and Silver Streak, he woke up and said to his wife, what do you think about putting Halloween on a train? His wife answered, that sounds terrible. He jotted down, ter- ter- he jotted down terrible train on a piece of paper on his nightstand. In the morning, he changed the title to Terror Train, wrote up 22 pages, and made a deal on it with nice. Sandy Howard's company at 3 in the afternoon. So the next day, he already had the deal done. Um, the ch- I thought this was interesting. The train itself, it was shot on real train, obviously. Uh, the train was rocked back and forth on a rig inside of a warehouse in order to simulate train locomotion. There you go, Jason. Cool. Um, this was David Copperfield's first and only acting role in film or television. Uh, he got very irritated during production because he had so much trouble saying his lines that he swore he'd never make another movie, and he didn't. Mm. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis shot this film back... Uh, back-to-back with the similarly-themed slasher film Prom Night in late 1979. Uh, Prom Night shot in Toronto in August and September and released in July, while Terror Train shot in Montreal in November and December and was released in October. So she she went straight from one to the next in Canada. So Nice. uh, I know that, like, you know, obviously some... uh, crossover between this and prom night especially with the whole like prank gone wrong type thing but uh terror train and prom night but like i think this is sort of what made jamie lee like want to get out of horror for a bit luckily for her yeah yeah luckily for her i mean not that there's anything wrong with you know knocking this and the fog and all this stuff out back to back to back but it's amazing that she did that and then ended up doing like true lies and getting you know and then she sort of transformed into like a family movie star and then uh trading places and stuff yeah yeah some really big things and now she's uh you know she's returned to horror and drama and and i i absolutely adore jamie lee curtis she's amazing as a human and an actor um one of my favorite people to ever live so yes (laughs) Just yep, the, awesome. again, well, talking earlier about it, you know, not to get uh, too far off track, but her support for all of her cast and uh, the the filmmakers behind everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, sort of taking a backseat to uh, these other actors, like letting them have the spotlight and cheerleading them on and being awesome is just like inspiring too. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. uh, she's made sure that she's like the one person involved in that movie that's not getting the spotlight and i just adore her for that like putting them all on pedestals and making sure they get their their due justice so uh right on jamie lee curtis i, I really want an action figure of her from that movie <laughs> yes 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 dude oh, you can buy the hot dog hands from a24 of course you can <laughs> god damn it and they come in like an oscar meyer box oh that's awesome we thought about doing that for halloween <laughs> amazing yep all right andy what's our last movie for today our last movie for today comes to us from 1980 
from the Canon Group, one of my favorites, and it's called New Year's Evil. On the one night they were celebrating New Year's Eve, he was out ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. Call me evil. Every New Year's Eve, the caller came out. During a New Year's Eve celebration, a Los Angeles disc jockey receives a phone call saying that when New Year's strikes in each time zone, someone will be murdered, and she will be the last one. Um, yeah, this is basically about this woman who's kind of a bit of like a quasi-celebrity where she is, and she, uh, you know, is... She's got a live band there, and she's counting down. It's going to be a New Year's celebration, and they're they're showing all these. Uh, it's a live broadcast of all these bands that are coming out, and uh, she comes across as very self absorbed because her son, uh, played by Grant Kramer uh, of Killer Crowns from Outer Space fame, um, he comes there and tells her about you know what's going on in his life, and she's she's very just pretty much involved with you know what she what she's got going on and she kind of pretty much dismisses him and she's you know kind of you know being a terrible mother and you know of course uh you know her husband's not there you know to you know be supportive and and whatever i believe it's her ex-husband at this time but um and as this uh live celebration is going on she's getting this call you know and as you might have heard from the uh the trailer um the the you know uh mike myers dr evil voice going through like a tracheotomy box is saying i'm evil um and he's and he's killing all these people and it turns out this guy is going to random places like once in an asylum and he kills he kills a nurse there and but to me like a lot of the kills are just uh very sanitary this seems like it could be this is what I look at as a lifetime slasher movie. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very it's very tame by you know even even by the nineteen eighties standards. Um, uh, 
basically uh, full reveal here. It's the lady's ex-husband and she's, you know, she's just, he's, he's very tired, uh, you know, of her, you know, and this and that. And he's apparently snapped and uh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I liked watching the bands more than I actually liked yeah. watching the kills. <laughs> I was, I was a little bit, I was a little bit bored. It has this whole um, theme song. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I tell you what, you know, movie posters these days suck because like like the bloody new year's one is good but this new year's evil poster is actually pretty awesome yeah. um him with the switchblade coming through like you know the december calendar it's actually really cool but um yeah like the bands and the guy had the ferris bueller leopard print jacket that's that i thought was neat that i immediately noticed um but yeah it's just it seems so um I don't even know why Grant Kramer was in this movie because they barely used him. They just wanted him to put like a safety pin through his ear and put pantyhose on his head for some reason, just for him to act weird. Oh, his character uh, was utterly, utterly pointless because yeah. they set him up to be a red herring, but we know who the killer is from the first scene with the killer. They show his face. Thank you. And, you know, he's putting on disguises, you know, and he's picking up women in bars, you know, to kill, you know, because he needs to make a kill on New Year's in each time zone. But, I mean, he's in Los Angeles, but he's doing it, you know, for, I guess he's working, time-wise, he's working his way from the East Coast all the way to, you know, back to Los Angeles. And, uh... Even though, since, since I'm such a nerd, I immediately knew who the blonde was, uh when he picked her up at the bar, it's Louis, Louisa Moretz. Cause I remember seeing her in, uh, uh, last American Virgin and, uh, death race 2000. She was like the one that rode shotgun with Sylvester Stallone. Um, both good films. Watch them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just seems, yeah, I guess the, the only way I can put it, this is the, this is the lifetime version of a slasher movie. Yeah, I agree. The kills aren't, are you know kind of lame but i feel i i like this one quite a bit for the fact that i love the the concept of the the killer's mo that to kill somebody every hour based on the different time zones of new year's eve i thought that was a mm -hmm. cool little thing mm -hmm. and i also like the twist on the whodunit aspect instead of being like keeping the the killer shrouded in shadows or wearing a mask or doing a lot of POV and then reveal the face of the killer in the end. We see the killer right off the bat. We know who this guy is and we're following him around as he's trying to fill, fill out his plan. And even though the execution of the kills are kind of lame and boring, um, the, some of the lead ups I was kind of into because not that you're rooting for the killer or anything, but there's moments where it's like, oh shit, is he gonna get to his kill by the by the hour? Is he gonna continue on with his with his uh, motif here for his kills? Uh, and I, and I just like the fact that we know who this killer is through the whole movie, but we don't know who he is in relation to our main character, Pinky mm. Tuscadero. Um, because and, and we then that's the reveal 
on who he actually is in connection to to the lead actress here. So I thought that was a neat little twist in an era of how are we going to do something different with the slasher genre. So when there was new ones coming out like weekly. Um, so I liked it for those aspects. Uh, I hated the son character just because he was completely and utterly pointless. Like, why are we trying to create a red herring? I mean, that's all, that was the whole point of him was to be a red herring when we know exactly who the killer's face, who the killer is right out of, right from the beginning. Um, that's the greatest punk band i love the band in it i mean it was just one band right yeah the whole movie with the biggest range of music genre ever <laughs> except for punk right like they did every yeah. other a lot genre of, a lot of new wave and whatever so so yeah uh it definitely has its issues but i still enjoyed it i think this was also a first time watch for me by the way it's the first time i've i've seen it i mean i I'd, I'd seen like like you said about bloody new year i'd seen the cover just pfft. Hundreds of times. Oh yeah. But. Oh yeah. Well, I've watched. I've yeah. watched. I'll take. Go ahead, Jason. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I've I've watched this one quite a few times over the years. Another one that I I think I just bought like the Blu-ray many years ago when it came out uh, because of the title. Uh, I can I can see where Andy's saying like the Hallmark horror movie. It's almost <laughs> like neutered. Like it's almost. Yeah, but innocent. I don't. I don't hate it. I don't no, hate no, it. it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just sort of feels like they had to cut something, or it's just not. It's very bloodless, and it's not very yeah. mean in ways. Yeah, it's but, sanitary. It's but it has some some really cool scenes. I love the the mask. Um, mm, yeah, that yeah. that's really cool. It's it's not really scary in any way. It's more of a. a I don't even know. It's just sort of, I, I love the concept of killing them on different time zones. That's mm-hmm. cool. Original, yeah. um, just doesn't quite live up to that potential, but it's still not bad. I think I want to like it more than I do because <laughs> it, it, it's like not offensively bad to me. It doesn't make yeah. me mad. I just really like every time I watch it, I, I have it like in my head that I'm like, this is a fun one. I watch it. I'm like, it's not as good as I remember it. And it's like, it doesn't get better with every watch, but I, think, I paid for it, so I gotta like it somewhat. It's 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 okay. Yeah, I think it's one that if you saw it earlier in your horror movie life, it probably would have stand out, stood out more, because it 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 is it is kind of come off and generic and and kind of boring in some parts. But I really feel like the whole point of this movie wasn't to have these big, cool, elaborate kills. It was the build up to the kill, whether whether you're rooting for the killer or you're rooting for the victim there's there's it's a little hitchcocky maybe not executed as well as it could have been but it's kind of hitchcocky in the fact that there is a there's a ticking there's a ticking bomb when it comes to these kills they have to be executed within the hour and the one the moment that really stands out to me is when he's at the drive-in and it just kind of feels like his plan is falling apart because he's dealing with like this punk these punks that are are you know causing havoc at the drive-in and and it, there's just several moments where it's just like oh is he going to get his kill completed within within that time frame on the cuz he's got to do it on the hour so i feel like the filmmakers were trying to do like a reversal suspense kind of thing where, you know, it's got to be done by this time or, or the whole plan falls apart. I don't mm-hmm. know. 
Well, uh, I just want to like uh, refer to what Andy said earlier. This is a last time watch for me. Whoa! I'm just trying to Ooh. just trying to make that a thing. That's uh, all. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I like it. It's uh, it was my first time, but yeah, it, I, I, it's a shock. But it, it was my least favorite of the three. That's really I was just gonna ask. Wow! Wow! That person was. Better. It was. What order did you watch them in? I I've been trying to watch them in the order we talk about them. So mm. whoa. So bloody New Year was first, and you still liked it better than this one. Uh huh. Wow. Uh my my favorite part of this movie though is it was halfway through the movie, and the cops were like, "I think he's using a voice changer." <laughs> <laughs> really? Because <laughs> who talks like that? Right. Like, yeah. The world's most annoying voice. <laughs> Hello, Sydney. <laughs> I wished it was that good, but it's the, I just like shut up and kill somebody. Um, and he see. also talks so slow that you would think for like a live TV broadcast, they would just hang up on him. Because I'm like, dude, you're talking too slow. This is live television. <laughs> this, we're cutting you off. Yeah. I can't remember what else I was going to say. That, yeah. I, I think the band is actually like a real that uh, at the time was a real band, and it was sort of like probably like friends of the director or something. It's like, hey, you want to be in a movie, and you know, you just got to learn some songs. And apparently, someone wrote the New Year's Evil song, which they felt they needed to play over and over again. But it's a banger, so you know, I don't blame them. One of one of the other things that I'm impressed is is how many damn people were in that convertible. I actually paused it and counted. There was nine goddamn people in that convertible at the beginning. <laughs> When it pulls up, because there's like two right behind like the back seats. I'm just like, it's a fucking clown car, man. <laughs> Did you remember what you were going to say? Sorry. Mm, nope. Uh, nope. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought, though, out of the three of these films, though, I didn't think the first two had shit to do with New Year's Eve. Really? But this one was like all fucking about New Year's Eve. Like it really embraced the time. The yeah, I, I did want to mention that earlier with Bloody New That's Year. It, it it is the most disconnected from its holiday. I feel like than any. Yeah, other I felt more. Cri- it had Christmas ornaments up. I'm like, yeah, this feels more Christmas. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but you definitely have the feels of New Year's with this movie. Because it was it in. Yeah, it was in New York, right? That's when it was was supposed to be. No, yeah, that can't be was, right, was it? It was in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, because, yeah. She duh, was talking to people in New York thing. and Aspen. And, the movie would have yeah. been a lot shorter if it was in New York, if it's if the kills are based on time zones. Yeah, he just would have went for her and just said, <laughs> fuck it, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 uh, I probably, you know, shouldn't give shout-outs to other podcasts, but uh, my favorite podcast uh, with Gorley and Russ did an episode. They're doing, like, a Holiday Horrors, and this is – an episode they did on uh, New Year's Evil, and it's really funny. And hearing a perspective from two comedians is really good, so I recommend checking that episode out. Sweet. Uh, Tad, what trivia do you have for uh, this one? Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, Hitchcockian because uh, director Emmett Alston uh, is in a Hitchcock-style cameo as a bearded camera operator Nice in the movie. And then... Um, during the first call made by the killer, it is mentioned that the voice modulation makes him sound like the Phantom. Uh, we assume that is a reference to the character from Phantom of the Paradise, but that's what I, you know, that's where I first went. 
which is a really weird reference because that movie came out, you know, mid seventies. It wasn't a huge hit. It's not like it's a huge piece of pop culture. Like who got that reference? <laughs> well, it may be for that time, but I feel you know, there's, there's been, there's been other, there's been other movies and bands and stuff that have really homaged uh, Phantom of the Paradise with their stuff. Okay. You know, but then, you know, it's like 30, 40 years later. So yeah, the that's, that's about to just date and grow a cult following. That's all the, uh, what I thought was interesting out of the trivia on this one. All right, cool. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, that's it for the films for this episode, but there is still more attack of the killer podcast to come. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do our segments. Uh, but first you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the prescribed films podcast network. The PFPN, as we call it, is home to many amazing shows, including our newest show on the network called Screams from the Basement. Heck Yay! Yeah. Screams from the Basement with Sam and Casey is a bi-monthly horror podcast in which two friends discuss things all horror, including new, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. So check out our newest show right here on the network, Screams from the Basement. And check them out and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. So it's the segments portion. It's time for segments here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. We're going to start off, like we always do, hearing from you guys, the listeners, and the Facebookers, and those people that type things. So here's Jason with Shoutouts. It's time for Shoutouts! All right, we asked, what are your favorite New Year's horror movies? And these are your answers. Up first, we got Attacker, Hot Rod. Hutchinson says, wait, are you telling me that there are more New Year's Eve movies besides New Year's Evil and Terror Train? 1980, not the two shitty Tubi versions. Yes, Rod. There, there's one more. There's one more. <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> Uh, up next, we got Nick Leadham. He says, I have a habit of watching Rosemary's Baby around then, but I'm not sure it strictly counts. Mostly watch it since there's a New Year's party in it and the ending. The year is one. Oh, okay. Uh, and Lisa from Bad Movie Bunny Podcast says, I count Rosemary's Baby. And then she jumps into comment. She says, my pick is Bloody New Year. I'm sorry. Uh, it has a remote. I- no, I like this one. Uh, you do. It, it has a remote don't, island. Don't change on. Don't switch on. A me, reunion man. of a crappy friend group and supernatural fuckery. What more could one want when breaking New Year's resolutions? She's right. She's a watchable movie. Come on, she just made it sound even better. Yeah. 
She saw it. Me- yeah. Now that you mentioned, I guess End of Days would count as a New Year's movie too, wouldn't go. it? Up next, we got Tim Lennerer. He says, I used to watch the 1960s version of The Time Machine every New Year's Day to remind myself that one, time is continuing to pass, and two, George Powell's stop motion effects were charming. Tried watching the remake once and tapped out very early. And then our last comment of today is from Brian <laughs> Clark. Y'all remember Brian Clark? Woo! He says, while there's nothing about it related to New Year's, <laughs> a tradition of ours for many years was to watch Grizzly. Yes. Oh, interesting choice for a New Starting Year's Starting around tradition. 11, so we finish at 1230. The running joke being that it was the movie that took a whole year to watch. Come on. <laughs> oh, I like it. So I like funny. it. I'm with them on that. That's good. You like that, do you? Well, oh, uh, there's a, the red light's beeping over on that machine. You want to hit it for me, mate? Oh, yeah, sure. Click. Hey, everybody. Attacker Brian here. I'm back from Christmas break, and it sounds like we're talking New Year's Eve horror, New Year's horror, a new year, a new horror movie. That's what I'm talking about. I was looking, doing some research, and looking at a... New Year's Eve horror movies, and I found a movie that's in pre-production called New Fear's Eve. Sounds like the horror movie about three friends that mistakenly go to a party or crash a party, and a killer is out to get them. By Blood Moon Productions. Sounds right up my alley. (laughs) So I'm hoping to check that out soon. Hope you guys had a good Christmas and a happy holidays, and here's to a bloody new year. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Well, all y'all can also leave your voicemails. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. We'll play your sweet, sexy voice on the show. And that's shout-outs. This is Jason Statham for Attack of the Killer podcast. And apparently I've got to introduce Insane Mike's picks. Now, you could be doing something a lot more productive, like picking vegetables and picking fruit or something like that. But, you know, or you could be doing something less painful, like, you know, sticking toothpicks underneath your fingernails or pushing a nice pick through your balls. But anyway, here's Insights Picks. Thank you, Jason Statham. That was awesome. Wow. I didn't know he was stopping by. Yeah. Love you in the crank movies. You mean you need to make part three. <laughs> I'll get After- on it. <laughs> <laughs> After a small hiatus, Insane's Picks Hall of Fame is back with part two of inducting legendary scream queen, Linnea Quigley. We last left off, if you remember, in the year 1985, where a movie would come out that would change everything for her it would be her big breakout role we're talking about the classic zombie punk film return of the living dead linnea quigley was cast as punk rocker trash who has a death fixation and has a habit of taking her clothes off on top of tombstones return of the living dead was directed by dan o'bannon when it came out linnea's strip dance uh concerned the producers and they did not want her to show full frontal nudity on screen so dan o'bannon and the 
producers kind of butted heads on that topic. And out of pure frustration, Dan said, fine, we just, we just will make her look like a Barbie doll. So Linnea had to go through several experimental makeup tests so that she could wear a, what they call the Barbie doll prosthetic over her crotch. So the producers would, uh, you know, be happy. Um, which, you know, caused many hormonal young men, myself, very, very confused <laughs> watching the movie. Is that what it really supposed to look like? Yep. After Return of the Living Dead, her reign was supreme in the late 80s and the early 90s with such films as Sorority Babe and, Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama in 1988, Night of the Demons in 1988, other, you know, other movies like Nightmare Sisters, Creepazoids, Witch Witch trap hollywood chainsaw hookers just to name a few she was on the cover of several horror magazines back in the day uh, she had tons of tv appearances like usa up all night various talk shows entertainment tonight and was even on joe bob briggs monster vision during the filming of night of the demons uh, linnea first met fx artist steve johnson uh, he cast her boobs for the lipstick through the nipples and fell in love. They started dating, and later, while working on the film Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, Dream Master, John Johnson proposed to Linnea right after Linnea played the soul bursting out of Freddy's chest. He gave her a ring while hosing the KY jelly off of her, and they married January 17, 1990. Unfortunately, they divorced in 1992. In the early 90s, she almost left acting. She wanted to become a police officer with the Los Angeles Police Department. She passed the written test, but luckily for all of us, she decided to continue acting instead after that. And thank goodness she did, because some of her best films were still to come. She continued to work on film after film after film. Then, in the magic year of 2008, she hit the peak of her career when she worked for Prescribed Films on the movie called yes. Legend Has It. Oh yeah, that's one of my movies. <laughs> uh, we worked with Linnea on two more films after that, Collapse in 2011 and Demonica in 2014. And would you believe I still had to uh, look up, do the research, uh -huh. <laughs> look it. at her IMDb page, just to make sure I got the years right. Uh, Linnea Quigley, she's an actress, musician, producer, author, model, and someone I consider a friend. After more than 35 years in the business and 125 films, Linnea Quigley is still America's Scream Queen. And with that, we close out Insane's Picks Hall of Fame for the time being. Starting next episode, we're going to begin a whole new venture with Insane's Picks. So tune in next time to see what I have cooked up in the future there for Insane's Picks. But that also concludes another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. That's it. Happy New Year, Happy, guys. Happy New Year's. <laughs> I want to thank everybody Happy for January 27th. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for listening and from all of us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. We hope you have a happy and horrifying new year. So until next time, we'll talk to you again. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the